0: Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Live with Doug. We are thinking through God's word together. Glad that you could join us as we continue to talk about the church. And I want to uh, I want to go to a couple of comments that I saw just this morning that actually helped uh, frame what I want to continue the conversation from yesterday. And I think it'll be helpful for us to uh, see this. Uh, So this comment here is from Peter Woods. I think you can all see that. If not, I'll read it to you. And for those uh, listening via podcast, I'll read it to you, at least the portions. But uh, here's what Peter says. When you were talking about the impotence of the church today, that was yesterday, of course, and the salt and light issue, I had a few things come to mind. The first was that a lot of the things that made the early church different from their societies like caring for and feeding the poor, healing the sick, helping the orphans and widows, have all been abdicated to the state in the form of social wef- social welfare, health ser- services and state orphanages, and so on. Great observation, Peter. And that's true, isn't it? When, uh, when uh, a child, a young you know, child, loses his or her parents... Uh, The state takes over at this point in most nations today, and they provide a home, whether it's foster care or, or whatever. Um, When, when a well, uh, it's gonna go down a different path there. Um, Widows are not, I don't know if they're really taken care of, but in our day to day, well, there's life insurance right? So if, if a woman doesn't work outside the home, then a hopefully her husband has life insurance, if something happens to him, then that money will help her. And then there are there are other uh, welfare or uh, options for her food stamps, whatever, that she, she can get help. So the state's taking that over, which raises the question who has given that uh, uh, to the state. But here's, here's what I want to Focus in on for this conversation. Let me let me go back to uh, the scripture here that we looked at, and this is not an exposition of this text. It it would be worthwhile to go through and see how this fits into the whole Sermon on the Mount, but I think we can at least get a general sense of Jesus's intention here without too much diving in. He says, "You are the salt of the earth." But if the salt has become tasteless, how could it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. So uh, obviously there's a warning there, but it's this idea of the salt of the earth and it needs to stay salty. And then he gives a second metaphor to get at his point. You are the light of the world. So I'm pausing here right on on specific terms. You're the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Well, that's that's as obvious as can be. right? if 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 there's a city, we we have the mountains here and the foothills uh, right outside my window. And there are homes on those foothills that you can see from uh, as far away as you, as you want to. Uh, there, if there was a city built on the uh, foothills or up in the mountain, then you would see it from a long ways away. And you just can't hide that kind of city, right? I see Mike, uh, Mike Keith here says, who's he talking to? Yeah, he's talking to Jews, right? So what is what's the point of your question? Um, Are you going to suggest this doesn't apply to the church? Or what? uh, What's the what's the reason for that question? Clearly, he's talking to uh, Jews and pointing out uh, he he's got disciples following him. He goes up on a hill. This is a, what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And he's, he's teaching these disciples there. So uh, explain yourself, Mike, What uh, what's the reason for the question? So uh, you're the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. You're going to see it from all around. Uh, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket. No lamps are to be out on display uh, to give them... Uh, to to give light to the room, you don't put under a basket, you put on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. And it says, let your light shine before men in such a good way that they may see your good works, and glorify your Father who is in heaven. All right, so um, if this applies to Christians, and maybe Mike is going to argue it doesn't, but if it does. And I believe it does. I believe the Sermon on the Mount would apply to the kingdom. I think that's what he's doing in the Sermon on the Mount is ex- describing what the kingdom is going to look like, that he is bringing into uh, into the world. Um, uh, Alright, yeah, I just, I don't want to. uh all right. Let me give you this much, because I just by those questions raised, you're some of you are going to be distracted. So, here's here's the broader context. When Jesus saw the crowds, crowds of Jews, he went up on the mountain. After he sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and began to teach them. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, and so on. Blessed are the peacemakers. Uh, Blessed are those who've been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you. Rejoice, for your reward in heaven is great, Uh, and so on. Then he gets to the passage that, uh, that I just read. He talks about he didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Whoever then annuls one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever keeps and teaches them shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. If your righteousness does not surpass the scribes and Pharisees, you'll not enter the kingdom of heaven and so on. Uh, we get to the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And he describes the, uh, uh, oh, there's, there's, there's so much here. Alright, yeah, I'm just, I'm not going to take the time. <laughs> uh, Mike, you you obviously have something you're getting at there and just lay it out, man. Don't uh, uh, don't keep asking questions like that. Alright, so the imagery here is salt is to permeate the earth, the light is seen from afar, the, the city is seen from afar, the light gives light to the whole lamp, a whole room. So if this applies to us in some way, then going back to Peter's statement about how we've given over the uh, care for the poor and the widows and those sorts of things um, to the to the state, to social structures, whatever. Here's my question. All this to get to this question. Is that the only uh, intention of being salt and light and being the city on the hill. And and let me uh, let me add to it here. Uh, So the follow up, uh, not follow up, but a a second question by uh, Prepped for Eternity Homestead says, in my experience as a denominational pastor, I think many believe that they we are being salt and light by giving to missions, both at home and abroad. On occasion, we may send the youth or even some adults on a mission trip all the while stepping over the needs of our local area. Missions are good, but our systems in some denominations have allowed our spiritual conscience to be soothed. So again, it's needs, right? You've got the poor have needs, widows have needs, orphans have needs, and prep for homestead, prep for eternity here saying we can give uh, we can abdicate our role as being salt and light by giving to, instead of the state, we're giving to the church, the organized church, the institutional church, the, the leaders of the church, the pastors, the ministry directors, or missionaries, whatever missions organizations, and we let them meet the needs of, of the people. So my question is, is that the only role That we are to have in the world is meeting needs. You've got spiritual needs, where people are lost living in darkness, they need the light of the gospel. And I'm certainly in no way minimizing that. Uh, If you're talking to an unbeliever, that's probably the most important thing that you can do to show love to them is tell them about Jesus. So we've got the spiritual needs and we have temporal physical needs of those who are downtrodden, those who are poor and and sick and that kind of thing. Is that it? Is the kingdom of Jesus uh, does it matter if you're an architect or an IT guy or a web developer or a chef? are those things worldly? Are they uh, just, is work a necessary evil? Is it, in other words, obviously, I'm going for something here, right? I think, and and I want pushback, I want to dialogue about this, partially because I want to refine my own thinking and and maybe refine yours, but also I'm trying to trying to find the best way to articulate some of these things because I find the more I talk about them, uh, it's, it's a really difficult concept for some people, a lot of Christians to grasp because we have either been taught overtly or um, covertly that the idea is to get people to accept Jesus and then just hang on and survive until either the rapture or you die and go be, go to heaven. And what you do in between, you're just trying to stay out of trouble, be a nice guy, and go to church on Sunday, be part of the institution. But your what you spend so much of your time doing is really irrelevant to the kingdom of Jesus. Uh, I'm thinking by the way, this is a good good just commercial here, I'm thinking uh, I got some feedback on uh, doing the manhood study. I got quite a few people, most of them reached out personally and said, yes, please do that. So I'm thinking about doing that on Fridays, beginning this Friday, trying to come up with a a good name for what we're going to do on Fridays. Um, You know, Monday would be better manhood Monday or uh, testosterone Tuesday or something, (laughs) but we're going to do it on Fridays. So uh, if you got a good name for me, uh, let me know. So that'll, that'll probably be coming up Friday. I'll let you know for sure tomorrow. Um, but have we have we lost, have we detached? I think we have. So i just laid out. I think we can be a little bit like, um, we can we can be a little bit like functional gnostics, if you know what that means. that, that the spiritual is good, the material, is bad. Peter says, what I was trying to do is give good examples of good works. Yeah. And I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not at all trying to uh, push against what you said. I think the church ought to be doing those things. And it's a worthy discussion about can the church take back responsibility for those quote unquote mercy ministries. So I'm, yeah, I'm not disagreeing with you. What I'm trying to do is say, do our good works only apply to needs? And I'm persuaded from the scripture that, no, our good works include everything. Jesus is Lord of all. Uh, all things were created so that Jesus would come to have first place in everything. Uh, if you have read my, my book, Exalted, um, I'll unpack this much more. But just it, it, here's, here's what I see is the purpose statement of the universe. Jesus is the first uh, sorry, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. That idea of firstborn does not mean he's the first one given birth. Firstborn is the Old Testament picture of the, the firstborn son was the heir of the estate. When Abraham died, Isaac becomes the head of the clan, that kind of thing. Uh, Isaac his firstborn son Esau, should have been the heir of Isaac's estate. But remember, he sold his birthright to Jacob and that came back to bite him. So Jacob then becomes the father of the clan of Israel as the firstborn son. He, he wasn't actually born first, but he received the firstborn blessing. That's what firstborn is getting at. Well, Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. Uh, look at uh, Hebrews chapter 1. In these last days, God has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. What's the all things that Jesus inherited? The world. The whole world. Not just heaven, not just the afterlife. He's the heir of the world. It's his. It belongs to Jesus. Now, currently, we're the salt of the earth. We're the... Uh, we're the light of the world. Uh, so back to Colossians. He's the firstborn of all creation. For by him, that is by Jesus, all things were created, both in heavens and earth, visible and invisible, with the thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. See, this is this is universal language. This is widespread, broad language. If it exists. In heaven or on earth, it was created through the Son, Jesus, S O N, Son, and created for the Son. He goes on with a little bit more, and then here at the end of verse eighteen, everything was created so that he, Jesus, himself, will come to have first place in how many things? First place in mercy ministries? First place in missions work? First place in evangelistic work? First place in some building on Sunday morning? No, no, no. What Paul says is, he's the firstborn so that he will come to have first place in everything. That's... That's everything, (laughs) right? That's what we're to be about, is giving Jesus first place in everything. That includes IT work. That includes civil engineering, and medicine, and politics, and farming, and housewifery and raising our kids, and education. Whatever you do, engineering, whatever you do, you're to give Jesus first place. It was created as part of Jesus's inheritance. I think sometimes, you know, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this realm. That's why I'm not standing up to you, Pilate, to to fight you. But did he mean it's not in this realm? Kind of like he said to his disciples, they're in the world, but not of the world. And Paul did say our citizenship is in heaven, but in the context there in Philippians, is that intended to say you have no real purpose here in the world? Except, except Jesus, try to convert others, and, and survive, hang on, and, and be nice until the end? I don't think the rest of the scripture bears that out. Going back to the original commands given to humanity, rule and subdue this, this earth. Has that been revoked? I don't think so. I think Jesus coming has given us the ultimate goal of ruling and subduing this earth. It's his. We saw that kind of thing over and over again in our study of Isaiah. Uh, Remember, the, the child is born, the son is given, and he's taking the government of the world on his shoulders. When this child comes, and of course he came 2,000 years ago, he took the government on his shoulders and his government and his Peace will never stop increasing. That's you're going to sing that. You probably have already sung that this Christmas season. You're going to sing that uh, in the upcoming weeks at in different gatherings. Joy to the world! That whole song. It's not really a, a first coming song. It's a it's a um, it's building his kingdom song. The king has come, and his he he rules the world in truth and grace. That's why we sing that song. It's beautiful. Well, that includes building cities and working and and technology and and culture and politics and, and all of this. At least that's how I see it. And I think we've allowed the church to become the institution that meets on Sundays in that building. And everything else largely has been handed over to the state. I, I totally agree with Peter on this. And and one of the reasons we've gotten there is, well, it's twofold. Number one, the state is setting itself up as our God, our provider, our protector, our ruler, our judge, uh, everything. And the church has allowed the state to say, you are welcome to do whatever you want to do in that building on Sunday morning, so you go and and you have your you know your your intramural uh, discussions and and teaching and all that, and you sing your songs and you have your little personal worship time with with Jesus. There, you raise your hands, close your eyes, and you, you have this great experience, and then you go out of that building. And the rest of the time, you bow to the state. And the state is going to educate your kids. The state's going to provide health care. The state's going to take care of all your needs. Uh, All of those kind of things. And it seems like we sort of have this, well, wait, is the church, do we go back to medieval Christendom? Is that the goal? I don't think so. And that's where some of the Christian nationalist folks are trying to go um which i think would no, would not be any better the second time than it was the first time i think the answer is we get away from the mindset of the church being that building on sunday morning and worship being singing and receiving you know spectator sport on sunday morning and we get away from the state as our god and we say no we as christians are to be the salt of the earth. We are to uh, be the city on the hill. We, we are to be the light of the world and shine the light. Actually, of course, Jesus is the light. We are to shine his light. And that includes every realm of life. And we've, we've abdicated that, we've abandoned that, we've, we've lost that. Lon says, whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. Yeah, and I would, I would say, some people. And Lon, I'm not suggesting you believe this. I, I don't know what you believe about this, but I've certainly had this conversation with many, many men who would say, "Yes, my my work in as an architect, for instance. I don't know. Why I keep bringing that up. I'm just pulling an example. But my work as an architect." I need to do that for the glory of Jesus, meaning I need to do a good work, need to go, do a good job. I'm a man of integrity and I am going to do this faithfully. And another benefit is I can make good money this, which allows me to give to the church and missions. So for most people, at least most of the people I've talked to, and maybe I'm just in different circles than you all are, but most of the people I've talked to uh, that's, that's how they can say they're doing their work heartily and for the Lord. They are people of integrity, so they're going to do a good job, and they can make money to give to the church and missions. What I'm arguing for is, no, your actual work of building things or designing things is part of what it means to be a man or woman, depending on what you're doing in this world because it all belongs to Jesus. Designing a bridge so that people can cross a river is good work. Christians should be designing great bridges just to design great bridges. So getting back to what we talked about yesterday, if Christians are working together, and okay, so take me in my context here. Christian, I don't want a group of Christians being architects building a bridge. I <laughs> want people who've who studied it. You should not have me participating in, uh, in dr- drawings for a bridge. So that's not what I mean. But a- a- as we gather and assemble as Christians, not just on Sunday morning, but in, in general, and say, how, how can we love one another in this world and, and pursue everything in life together as impacting this world that Jesus has inherited for his good, and this may have been, I mean, Peter mentioned two kingdoms. If You, you should all read the rest of his comment there. Um, I'm not sure, you know, I don't know. We haven't talked about it. I don't know if, uh, if we see that exactly the same way. I think we probably, are at least in the, in the same zip code, there's the kingdom of, of Satan, and there's the kingdom of the sun, the kingdom of darkness, kingdom of light. We are in the kingdom of light, and we need to bring that kingdom of light into the world, shine it on the world. And that's everyday life. That is not simply going to a service on Sunday morning or taking care of the poor. Everything. We are to bring the kingdom of the the Son of God, who is the heir of the world, into every aspect of life. It's his world. Paul said we are tearing down everything. We're taking captive, taking prisoner. Every worldview that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Did that die out with the apostles? I, I don't think so. If we get away from seeing churches, the meeting in the meeting place on Sunday morning, and instead being the people of God, living life together, life in the world, life in every aspect, we can impact all of it. And it's better for everybody. The kingdom of peace, the prince of peace, his kingdom expands and everything is is better because it's submitted to Jesus. Anyway, our time is up. Uh, think about it. We'll talk more tomorrow. I am curious if you have thoughts. Um, well, anyway, yeah, just leave me comments. And uh, yeah, all right, I'm gonna go. Think about it. We'll see you tomorrow. Take care.